This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Well, hey, happy Sunday morning, everybody. Hope you're all having an enjoyable weekend. Been a pretty good sports weekend so far. Even if you're a Blazers fan, it was a good game for some of it. (laughs) Uh, For for some of it, yeah. A couple quarters. Look, we're in a good time for sports right now. We've got baseball's back. We've got the NHL and the NBA playoffs. There's things going on. NHL playoffs. Huh? NHL playoffs has been garbage. bananas. Huh? Every game's gone to overtime almost. Man, I have not watched one NHL well, playoff. Well, you don't game like the NHL. What? Who told you that? You did. I've you never said, you don't said care that. about the NHL. I've never said that. I absolutely like hockey. It's the, the I think it's the best live sport to uh to watch. Yeah. Well, if you've I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, like every game is going to overtime almost. It's yeah. just been nuts. I haven't watched a lot of it, but it's just been Overtime after overtime after overtime, there was a huge upset with the Predators sweeping the Blackhawks, which was interesting. Well, it's been interesting. I'll be honest; I haven't paid attention to any this season. I don't. I can well, tell you that's probably why you haven't watched the playoffs. Yeah, because you I just haven't so. paid any attention to it. Yeah, uh, but it's just been a fun sports time for sure, and it's been. Uh, I, I just like this time of year because the sports are almost all happening except for football. So you just kind of there's always stuff going on. And there's day games and there's early games and it's nice. And I think that's mostly baseball for me. It's because baseball's back. It's all the early games. You wake up in the morning. It's like 10 a.m. There's a baseball game on. Yeah, sure. I'll watch it. Why not? It's sports. It's early. It's good. That's how I feel at least. Uh, but we will be spending a whole lot of time on the Blazers Warriors today as uh, the Blazers are now down 3-0. And we'll get to it pretty soon here in the show. But this is Sports Sunday. If you're first time listening, hi. Thanks for listening. You can text us in the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. You can also find us. On uh, Twitter, at 1080TheFan, I am at MikeLynch27, Rashad's at TaylorMade503, and Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Uh, we'll also talk some NFL draft today as it is coming up on Thursday. That'll be in the second hour of the show. We haven't really talked much about the draft yet on this show, but uh, we've got quarterback discussion, the top running backs in the draft. Are the Browns going to be an idiot and take the quarterback with the number one overall pick? Uh, plus more, so that's all coming up in the second hour. And we'll talk about some of the other NBA playoffs. Rashad was right about the Bulls and the Celtics. So we'll discuss that series a little bit, although the Rajon Rondo injury hurts uh, Chicago's chances for sure. Uh, plus a couple of the other series as well that have been intriguing and interesting. Blake Griffin now out for the rest of the playoffs. So that definitely hurts the Clippers in that series. Um, another injury for the Clippers in the playoffs. Ouch. 
Ouch. Happens every year, but they're still up 2-1 on the Jazz. So plenty of stuff to get to, but uh, let's dive right in. Let's just go. Blazers, yesterday, against the Warriors, once again, have a big lead at one point in the game, and then once again, blow the lead at the end and lose 119-113 to go down 3-0 in the series. It's becoming clockwork at this point. Last year against the Warriors, this year against the Warriors, it's almost the same thing every game, in the playoffs at least. Blazers go up early, it, except except there's one blowout usually each each series. But outside of that, the Blazers tend to go up early. This game, they were up by almost 20. They were up by 17 uh, was the highest they were, they were up with a Damian Lillard attempted dagger 20.3 that he missed because he tried to shoot it from half court. But it's like clockwork. If they don't have a lead of more than like 15 by the time midway through the third quarter, the Warriors are coming back to win the game. That's just been what happens. This is that's just kind of who the Warriors are. And and to be fair, it's kind of who the Blazers are. You know, we talked about this a little before the show started is that we know when the war, when the Warriors are down, more than likely they're going to come back. You know that when the Blazers are up, more than likely the other team is going to come back. And so it was the tale of two teams. You saw the Blazers do did what they do and the Warriors did what they do. So I mean, was it super surprising that it happened? No, I, I was I was in a bar and I, I listened to somebody say uh, they're already making plans for Game Five. And I'm like, whoa, man! You don't do you not watch Golden State play because the game is not over. And then when it became a, a ten point lead, you're like, oh crap, here it comes. And then it became, an, uh, I think it was a seven point lead, and just it just trickled down from there. And then the Blazers could never, never capitalize again. And this is just kind of who they are. Who they've been. This has been their makeup for the past three or four seasons now. What's well, the craziest part about this to me is the different level the Warriors can get to at any given time in the game, both offensively and defensively. Because the Blazers, and I'll give them credit for this, in games one and games three, they came out with them with a mission. They played really good offense. They were playing for Blazers uh, level really good defense. Um, and they were really they were playing well they were up in both game one and game three and then the Warriors go you know what we're done with this and the defense level ratchets up and the offensive movement and the passing and the motion ratchets up and all of a sudden they're stopping every single Blazer shot and it's not like the Blazers are taking only bad shots they're taking some but the Warriors are playing great defense and then they're not missing that happened yesterday it, you're right right when the Warriors got it to within 10 in the third quarter that was my initial thought was that's it. The Blazers were keeping them in that 12 to 15 range for a lot of the third quarter and the end of the second, second quarter. And it was like, Oh, okay. That they can keep it here. That's nice. It's a nice little lead. And then the Blazers did what they've been doing this whole series. They went on a spree where they missed like six straight shots, mm -hmm. including three layups. And then with long rebounds and it caused the Warriors to run out fast and it caused the Warriors to have some easy shots. And Clay Thompson got a little bit hot. And Steph Curry hit a couple of shots. And he was going inside. And there was nobody defending him on the inside in the paint. And he was getting his little floater jumpers to go. And the second it got to seven, you went, that's it. And the Blazers couldn't hold it. They couldn't. It's that extra level that the Warriors have that the Blazers are just completely lacking. Because the Blazers' extra level is where they start. And then they fade because they've been putting forth so much energy where the Warriors are almost saving it and, for the second half. And what the Warriors do to a lot of teams is they force them to play hero basketball. Because once your team gets to a point to where nobody can make a shot, a lot of guys like Dame, 
like, and we mentioned it, like CJ, they they do a little too much and they shoot too many times and almost kind of do the Russell Westbrook uh, at times. Now, mind you, not 47 times, but a, a whole, whole lot. And when you when you do that, you don't get great shots. And the, all you, you give up long rebounds. And the Warriors are a team that they capitalize on mistakes. As as great as they are offensively, we forget about how good they are defensively. The Warriors force you. Say again? Top two defense in the league. They force you into bad shots. Like, Dame has a thing about pulling up for like 50-foot three-pointers for whatever reason sometime. And that's more of his heat check type shot. But being real, the Warriors will force you to make those type of shots or to take those type of shots all game. And that's what you don't want to get into. So when you have a lead, you're at least playing from a comfortable position. And the Warriors are just not a team that let you stay comfortable with that lead. Well, and you're talking defensively. What what they do defensively is they stop the Blazers from getting the ball to their guys. And uh, we saw it especially in the fourth quarter yesterday when the Blazers were still within like that five point range of being down. And you're like, oh, they could come back. There was two sequences where they wide open left Al Aminu and Evan Turner, and they backed off of them to go guard Crab, Dame, and CJ. And they said, shoot it. If you hit it, oh, well, you're not going to hit it again next time. Aminu hit one three when he was given like four straight open threes. Turner didn't hit a three. He hit one earlier, but he's not a three-point shooter. Occasionally he'll hit one, but he hit none when they gave him open shots. And basically the Warriors said, we know you've only got three shooters in the court right now. And one of them you don't even pass the ball. That's Alan Crabb, who, by the way, was open for the entire second half and barely touched the ball. Do You go... I mean, and Harkless too. They do this to Harkless too. You guys take as many threes as you want because you're 30% shooters. So you'll miss two out of every three. And that's what happened. Yeah, it was just it, the towards the end of the third quarter, um, I want to say maybe the last like two minutes, there was real doubt in everybody's mind that, okay, the party's over and here comes Golden State. And really, you can't feel bad about that just because, number one, this is the same team, a lot of the same team that just won 73 games the year before. And then they turn around this year and win, what, 67? How many games did they win? 65 on the regular season? Somewhere around there, which is which is still a, a ridiculous number of, of wins this year. This is a team that's great without Kevin Durant. And they're showing how good they are without KD. You know what, KD? Why don't you just rest up? You know, get ready for the next series, which is probably going to be a cakewalk as well. Why? Why do you think he didn't play yesterday? Because they don't need him. He looked what? great in his workout. Oh yeah, absolutely. They don't need because at this point, I don't. For why do I need you? I don't need that. That's just pouring it on at that point. If Kevin Durant plays, because they've beaten you twice this season without KD, put up big numbers, and at this point, they're showing that we really don't need him. They they have a different level there that they're playing on right now. This is playoff basketball for Golden State. They know what to expect. They know that they have. A target on their back because they are, um, well, they're not the defending champions, but they were past champions here two seasons ago. And so they think they should be defending champions this year. And I think they're out to prove it. All right. We got a break here. Lots more on this series coming up this hour. I've got a whole bunch of little notes I want to get to, uh, but we will start next with Yusuf Nurkic. He did make his return on a very strict minutes limit. Should he have played? Did you like what you saw? And were you just happy that? Even injured, he still looked like he had an impact on the game. That's all next. Text the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. 
This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 916 here on your Sunday morning talking Blazers Warriors as Golden State is up three games to none in the series after another comeback win over Portland yesterday, this time at the Moda Center. Text Bridgeport Beer text line 55305. Your thoughts on the game and the series thus far. And uh, we'll be getting to a little bit more text heavy stuff a little bit later with the we now know what the Blazers need <laughs> kind of uh, topic that we'll be doing a little later in this hour. But let's start with Yusuf Nurkic, who did return yesterday, and it almost felt like it was Nurkic's decision. And the the quote that started it was, Terry Stott says, it's up to him if he plays. So no longer was the injury a concern. It was more of a, can he play through the pain? And for those who, who have, don't know or forgotten, he has a fracture in his leg, but it's on a non-weight-bearing bone. So basically anything he does isn't injuring it. It just needs time to, to re-heal itself. Re, I guess, mold itself back onto the bone. So playing through it isn't going to give him a worse injury. It's just going to cause him pain because he has a broken leg. Um, so basically, the whole time it was, if he plays, it's going to be a pain threshold thing. And because they were down 2-0, and because he was out there practicing, he decided to play. And right from the get-go, there was a huge difference in the way the Blazers played early. Remember, they were up like eleven to three to start the game. Yeah. And it was a lot because of Nurkic. He, was, he wasn't even shooting the ball. He took one shot early, like a layup. And then it was a lot of him just passing it. He was a big man who was setting picks, and he was just helping the offense run a little bit more smoothly. And it was huge. Should he have played is a question because a lot of people think it's going to make the injury worse. I don't think it will. But I think he should have because they needed to win that game. It was a must-win game. Yeah, I was totally fine with him playing. I was then absolutely fine with him playing because the one thing we know is that he didn't necessarily have to sit out for the rest of the season. He, We've heard that he could have played for the rest of the season. He just wanted time to make sure the bone healed correctly. And as, as Blazer fans, uh, you would hope that people wanted the same because the, this franchise has a history, as I'm knocking on wood here, of big men with, with terrible legs. And so you wanted him to rest up. But – while he was in the game, what you saw is the Yusuf Nurkic that you're used to seeing. Now, mind you, limited minutes. He only played 17 minutes. And he was limited Nurkic in those limited minutes. But yet and still, that limited Nurkic got you 11 rebounds. He got you a block. He got you uh, um, four assists. And he got you one. He was one of three. So he only took three shots. But the one shot that he made, he showed Zaza Pachulia that he was too small. He hit him with a couple shoulders, backed him in, and then hit him with a little almost kind of like baby hook off the glass. And right there, that's kind of what he does. You he see did something he's, similar to Draymond later in the game where he yeah, it rolled out the layup, yeah, but he but bodied him up. You see that it's there. You see that the, the, the size difference. Now, if you have a healthy Nurkic here, you're having a much different conversation because you're looking at somebody like JaVale McGee who is having a field day. Mr. Shackton the Fool himself, JaVale McGee, is averaging 14 points and he's he's a he's a force. He's a plus paint. minus machine. He's a plus. He has a plus a plus fourteen. Like he who really from JaVale McGee, but that's because there's no Nurkic there to really bother that alley oop. Like he's catching reverse lobs. Like that's how easy it's been for JaVale McGee. But when you have a guy like Nurkic there, it changes all of that. We just got this text that said I was surprised he basically was benched for the fourth quarter. He could have made the difference at the end. I don't know if he would have made a, a real difference. If you were watching, I mean, I'm assuming you were watching the game, he looked dead. 
at the end of that game. He could barely run. He was exhausted. Because remember, it's not even just the pain thing. He hasn't played. He hasn't practiced. He's not in game shape he's at all. He's not in game shape. He looked, he was barely able to to walk speed, like run speed, like the, the quick little walk that you can do. He could barely do that. So would he have made a difference? Maybe a little bit, but I don't think the Blazers would have won either way because he just he just needed to he needed to kind of catch his breath and it was it wasn't enough. So in that sense, you're right, but I, I don't think it in the in his current shape, I don't think he would have made much of a difference. I wanted to see him out there if he could play, just for the fact that I I want to see this team at full strength basically right now. And granted, it's not a full strength Nurkic, but I want to see this team with what it's projected starting lineup to be on the court against Golden State. For and full I kind of yeah. yeah, and I, I want to see how close they are. Granted, you're not seeing Golden State with Kevin Durant, but you're still seeing a Golden State that's been an NBA champion and been in the, the NBA finals. You know, Absolutely. exactly. So so you, you kind of get a little bit of a barometer of now where's this team against the best in the NBA. And I think you find out that with Nurkic, you are a lot a lot closer. It changes the way it, you've you've been able to play. You know, he changes so much. He's a presence, and he's a he's a big, wide shouldered, you know, presence in the middle. That's it's become intimidating, mind you. In limited minutes, he still was able to to get a block out of there. And uh, he Draymond Green only had nine points in the game. A lot of that was because man, Nurkic got put on him, and Draymond couldn't really. You're not going to bully ball. Him and, and Draymond think, didn't hit all his threes. No, and he and he, well, man, which is which has been a change. Remember when he couldn't hit a three, and now he just can't stop hitting threes. In like, the playoffs, he doesn't miss. No, in the playoffs, he's lights out, man. Draymond Green, as we had this conversation about what Nurkic is to the Blazers, you know, the 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 Warriors have won games without Steph Curry, playoff games without Steph. They can win without Clay. They can win without Durant, and they've been proving it. They're not going to win any games without Draymond Green. There, I mean, we we've seen it. They, uh, Draymond Green was out game six, was it against the Cavaliers last year, and they lost. And so that's uh, Dr- Draymond is the most important piece to that Golden State team. It's not Steph shooting. It's mind you, that it is incredibly important. But without Draymond, they have no toughness. And Nurkic was somebody that kind of, I, I guess, alleviated the, the that that bully ball that Golden State kind of does, at least for 17 minutes. A couple of quotes from Nurkic, by the way, which will make you love him even more because he played through it. He said, uh, I talked to my teammates and the coach and everybody. We know I'm not the same guy. I'm supposed to be on the defensive end and offensive end, but we decided to try. The start was pretty okay, but the pain level was high. I tried to fight through, but sometimes just couldn't. That's a normal thing. I play with a broke leg, so there should be pain. He's a badass. Let's oh, be yeah. honest. He's playing with a broken leg, and he was able to play really effectively. And the one thing, by the way, the key for Nurkic, for me, is he was he was billed, he was sold as big lumbering center. He's skilled. Oh, yeah. He, he can pass the ball. He's a facilitator. That's what everybody was worried about when they lost Mason Plumlee, was you're going to lose your, your facilitator big when they do the high pick and rolls. No, he's, he's, you know he's who just he, better. You know who I think he is? I think he's Marcus Gasol. You look at the way he plays. You look at his footwork. You look at the fact that he can Whoa. play defense. Amen. Marcus Gasol is elite. Marcus Gasol is elite. I think Nurkic, given the, the the amount of time he's played in limited minutes and limited starts of the twenty one games he played, he started what seventeen of them, and you went fifteen and and four or something something like that. So, yeah, give him that type of minutes. Man, Marcus Gasol didn't just turn out to be great. It took him a little while to really get his legs under him in Memphis. He was playing for the Lakers, didn't even touch the floor. And then he went to Memphis, much like uh, the situation situation with Nurkins coming from Denver, and he became a star. 
looking at his skill set, looking from where he can shoot from, looking at the, the way he plays defense and his footwork and the fact that he can finish inside, Marcus All. Well, uh, and, and you're looking at a guy that he was never in game shape the moment he came to Portland. This is a guy who I think with a full offseason program in Portland, he still obviously has development um, to be done, but you see all of the potential. This and this is beyond potential at this point. This is this is not your classic Portland. Look at all the potential this guy has. Um, it's just now it's where's the ceiling with with Nurkic, and that's kind of an exciting thing. If it's Marcus Saul, that's awesome. It, it, that is, that's great. It, it, in in fact, now you're looking at it. I I think even Dame and CJ have answered some questions in this postseason. The way they have performed against Golden State, they have been. Fantastic. They've- and CJ defensively, by the way, not to cut you off, Jesse, but oh my God, he has been like glue on Clay Thompson, He's which great. we haven't really seen a lot from him. Uh, and and Damian's still struggling a little bit, especially getting around screens. But even Damian's been playing better on defense. They're actually going out and contesting the threes, which is something they just did not do in the regular season. And I know it's the playoffs and I know they're on national TV and even Alan Crabb always says that. But if they could do that in the regular season be that active on defense and have Nurkic be fully healthy and fully game fit, then the defense is not going to be as much of an issue. It's a great, it's a great problem I, to have. I think you're at a point now where you're like, okay, we've, uh, you found what very well could be your foundation of your big three. Now you're filling in pieces, which is that it's easier to do. We know how hard it is to find three elite players in the NBA. Now you possibly have those three elite players, um, where that ceiling is with Nurkic yet to be determined. Um, to be honest, still with CJ as well, we saw a lot of growth out of him this season. So we don't know where his ceiling is yet either. You know, it took Clay and Steph a long, I don't know, what three or four seasons to get to where they are now. Yep. So and you're you're starting to see that bond of CJ and Dame playing better together as as they have been playing more together on the court. Like you're you're seeing something really fun kind of unfolding as much as this season was disappointing at the same time. You're looking for pieces and guess what? You have, you have three picks in the first round where you can find pieces to come in and just be that here's role player. A, here's the text in the Bridgeport beer text. I know the general opinion soured on him, but if Azili is healthy going into next season, could we see him back up Nurkic? No, he has no guaranteed money on his contract next year. The only guaranteed year is year one. They need to shed some salary. Azili's not coming back. But Azili's cheap, though. They got Azili for, what, $2 million, a million and a It doesn't matter. He's, it's super cheap. And he, for somebody he, that can come in and possibly be a backup, it I'd, doesn't matter. You're, he, you're lo- you lose nothing if you're the Blazers at that point. No, he soured on the team. There was the report that CJ was pissed at him. He yelled at him in the locker room because he was trying to be all po- – like, he wasn't really doing the right thing. Um, he's not been with the team. He cannot stay healthy. They're not bringing Nurkic or not Nurkic. They're not bringing Azili back. I can't. I cannot see them bringing Azili back. If he was healthy, he would be a good backup. Yes, skills wise. But I think everything else is against him in that sense. Uh, I think they're getting their backup from the draft, or I don't know if they if Ed Davis is cheap, you can bring him back. He's a good backup. I don't know. But that that I think that's more of a draft thing. So actually, let's go there next because Jesse kind of set it up nicely. What's the next step for the Blazers here? Because this series has. 100% opened our eyes to exactly the two things that are missing from this team. There's two very, very, very big holes that are obvious. And there's a third one that's maybe ready to go, maybe needs to be replaced. Let's discuss that next and text your thoughts on what the Blazers need as well. Bridgeport Beers text line 55305. But here is Jesse with Sports Center. 
Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.34 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor, Jesse Osmond with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, we are going to talk about the Blazers' future here. And uh, by future, I mean this offseason. This series, to me, has showed you two and a half glaring, obvious needs. Tell them what the needs are, Lynch. The first and this has been obvious all year, but it's even more glaring in the series, is you need better perimeter defenders. No. Evan Turner is not what you thought he was defensively. Alan Crabb is average. Um, Mo Harkless is probably the – well, Alfred Camino is your best all perimeter defender, but he can't do anything else. I don't, I don't think uh, Turner is bad. Turner's not a bad defender. Turner is not a lockdown defender that you thought he was. You need a couple of guys who are like Andre Iguodala, basically – who just do not let shots go in when he's in the game defensively, or if they are, they're at least contested. That's number one. Number two, you need people who can score outside of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on the perimeter. I'm excluding Narkic from this because he can score and be a third option. Uh, because giving Al Farouk Aminu, Evan Turner, and Mo Harkless wide open threes means they're missing two out of every three, which we talked about earlier in the show. You can't have that. I would say... To me, you got to model it after what the Rockets have done, where they've gotten some players who, outside of James Harden, he can pass them the ball and they'll hit some shots. I think you need a couple more of those. And maybe Alan Crabb can be that. He hasn't proven it yet. If he shoots a lot, he can, but he doesn't shoot a lot all the time. Sometimes that's his fault. Sometimes he doesn't get past the ball, but he hasn't proven to be consistent doing that yet. That's number two. And my half is, I, I say it's a half because I think you maybe have found it, but he's really young is you need a better power forward. But Noah Vonley has proven in this series that he is legit, uh, at least in terms of being a, a player who can be on this team in the future. I'm not talking starter. I'm just saying he's a player who fits a role. He can shoot a jumper. He's pretty good defensively. He's been a monster on the boards at times in this series. And he's actually not a skinny stick anymore. He actually is bulked up, and that's good. So I think you maybe found something with him to at least be a role player in the future. That's why I say half. So you need... Better perimeter defense, which you tried to address in the offseason. You didn't really do this past year. You need better shooters, and you need another big who can play defense. Those are those are the three needs that uh, have been widely opened up in this series. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with uh, at least having a perimeter defender. I think scoring isn't necessarily something that they need. Um, you look at a guy like Nurkic, who in his first year as a starter is averaging uh, 15 and 10. Uh, you would think with more opportunities and plays actually drawn up for him, um, he's going to score somewhere between 18 a game, 18, 19. I'm just thinking, looking at where he is now, and I'm just looking at his progression and w what it could be at that point. But I see him averaging about 18 and 11 a game, 18 and 12, being like that uh, really solid big man, all-star, you know, borderline all-star, you know, in, in the Western Conference for a long time just because he's going to be competing with guys like, man, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis and uh, even, even Boogie and guys like that. So it's going to be a while before he gets that all-star nod, I think, but you still got a really, really good player. And then you've got your two on the, you know, obviously Dame and CJ. You mentioned James Harden and the Rockets. The one thing the Rockets did, and I'm curious of when the Blazers are going to do this for Dame, is they've built that team around James Harden and his strengths. 
So if Damian Lillard is your primary scorer, man, build the team around him. Now it looks like they're almost there. You've got Nurkic, at least, you know, you're projecting you're going to have Nurkic for a little while moving forward. You've got CJ, so you're almost there. I really think a guy like a Tony Allen, uh, like a like a, a Roberson, you know, the kid from uh, OKC, just that lockdown defender, get a Bruce Bowen type of dude that's not going to look for a lot of shots. Maybe he's going to hit that corner three when open, but that's really what you're looking for. But here's the cold part. You look at the free agent list this year and the guys that could fill that role, and you're like, eh. The only one there is Roberson, but he's yeah. a restricted free you know, agent. You're looking at guys like Otto Porter, a good, good guy, but agent. he's restricted this year. Um, uh, you know, Kentavious uh, uh, Caldwell-Pope, again, restricted, restricted this agent. year. So some of the guys that are out there, they're out there, but not really, you know. And what's tough is that the Blazers don't sign free agents. No. They no. never do. The only the only There's only one free agent I want the Blazers to get this year. I don't even know if they can afford it. And then one of the texts said we needed one or what we need in the offseason is an unbalanced trade to shed some salary, which is 100 percent true. A Absolutely. to sign your three rookies uh, in the draft pick unless you trade a couple of the picks or trade one of them. But B to maybe open up a chance at this player. I don't know if it's possible. I haven't done the math. I'm just saying this is the perfect fit for what the Blazers need right now is Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap is opting out of his contract in Atlanta. He is. And the Blazers did sign him as a restricted free agent when he was with the Jazz. He didn't sign here because the Jazz matched it. But that is what the Blazers need. They need a power forward who can play defense and who can score and who is skilled. Hello, Paul Millsap. Is it going to happen? Probably not no. because the Blazers never signed free <laughs> so, agents. So looking outside of Paul Millsap. I'm just saying, who, who, if, that was, if, that's it, if that's the only option and if he doesn't sign... Yeah. Do not sign a free agent unless yeah. you can't unless it's a little extra guy because you don't have the money to. In a, in a perfect world, I think you know we'd all love Paul Millsap to to be in a Blazer uniform. You know, not, not too many chance, not too many times you get a, a, a top ten, top five, you know, power four in the league to come you know play for your team. So if you can get him, great, go get him. But realistically, I'm looking at the list of power forwards, going, yeah, he's probably not coming to Portland, and you, you would like him to. But I'm looking at somebody like, uh, and I really like him a lot, um, Amir Amir Johnson. Uh, the, the one Raptors? thing, huh? Raptors, uh, Boston right now. Boston. The one thing Amir Johnson does used to be is he, yeah, he used to play for the Raptors. But um, he's toughness, and you see that, you know, you see that with Nurkic a, a little bit now. You know, he's been the guy who's gonna play with the broken leg, got both teeth knocked out. It's cool. I'm gonna play anyway and fix him later. You know, the, the, Amir Johnson is a is a locker room dude. He's a glue guy on the floor. Um, he's he's gonna be a lot of that toughness that the Blazers lead down need down low. You thought it would be at Davis, you know, a lot of the time. You even thought it would even be Mo Harkless. It hasn't really been that dude. So I think that's what they need too. That we we talk a lot about the the defense, but with defense means toughness. It means not being afraid to to get dirty. It means not being afraid to to get close and to get physical and things like that. And that's exactly what somebody like an Amir Johnson does. Now, mind you, does he give you a lot of points? No, but you're looking at somebody who can give you seven, eight points a night. Again, you're not looking for additional scoring. You need somebody that's going to be able to guard those fours and fives down low. And the the, the thing here is is just a disclaimer. I really don't think the Blazers are going to be able to sign anybody as a free agent this year because A, all of their spots are filled. B, they have three picks to try to find spots for and see the money. They're they're so close to the luxury tax. It's, it's stupid, and I don't think Paul Allen's going to go over it. Um, so... The chances of that happening to me seem very slim. This is more of just best-case scenario discussion. Uh, and the problem with a guy like Roberson is he can't score. So sure, you get a defender, but then you're not filling that other need of you need another guy who can score who would be a 
a starter potentially on the team. And and that's kind and of that's the, where the draft comes into me. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the conundrum right now is that you know you're you're gonna get you're gonna get one thing, but you're gonna sacrifice something else. So if you do indeed, uh, and really the, the one guy out there that you can get that's gonna that probably won't give you those issues is Paul Millsap. He's gonna give you some defense. He's gonna give you some offense. But outside of that, like if you get a Taj Gibson. Know that you're you're going to get a little on offense. You're going to get a lot defensively. You know you're going to get a good, you know, locker room dude and veteran presence. Like that's a good thing. But is he going to give you much scoring help? Probably not. No, and that maybe that is what they need if they do send a free agent is a cheaper veteran player who will give you a little bit of something because right now they don't have that. That was supposed to be Ed Davis, but he didn't really turn out to be that way. Uh, they had it with Chris Kamen last year. Just somebody who could be that level. But that's where you turn to the draft. Yeah, the draft is where the Blazers are going to make their their push. If they can, the Blazers always sell this hope, right? They always sell the future hope, and it almost never happens. But they do draft well. Neil O'Shea has proven he drafts well. Uh, I think my my perfect draft is you get two big guys, the power forward center combo player, whether that is Jordan Bell. A texter talked talked about that. We talked about that off the air. Jesse's in love with Jordan Bell. Um, whether that's, give me some Jordan Bell. Whether that's Jordan Bell or if it's the Bam out of Bayou guy from Kentucky or Terry Giles from Duke. Uh, or if it's um, John Collins, the big guy from Wake Forest, all of those guys are the same kind of player. They're power forwards, they're centers, they're big, they, are, they have some skills. That is your biggest position of weakness because Ed Davis got hurt. Myers Leonard is done. You got to get rid of Myers Leonard. He has nothing left in the tank um, in terms of potential. I Didn't think. even get on the floor last night. It's been, you, you know, and you've had five years with him to improve and he really hasn't. And the thing that sucks about Myers, you know, I think if he were on any other team, it wouldn't be the case, but you were taken in the same draft as Damian Lillard four picks after Dame Dame turns around and becomes one of the shining spots, you know, of, of the NBA. And you're still kind of the same player that you were when you were at Illinois, you know, there's nothing, He's a little stronger. Yeah, a little bit stronger. And Your hair is a little weirder, now. you know, every every season. So uh, he hasn't improved anything. But then you look at Dame, like, man, Dame has gone from guy that from Weber State nobody knew about to one of the best point guards in the league. And you're looking at Myers going, well, your turn. Like, when are you going to turn into at least a viable option for your team well, and it just never to. and it's never has and you know i think maybe on another team with with more opportunity possibly maybe that's the thing he just doesn't get enough playing time i mean i think we've seen all we need to see from from myers but it, it, it could be a multitude of things but either way the one thing we do know is that it doesn't work for this trailblazers roster no and, I- and it really and for myers sake i mean you want to see him get his opportunity somewhere else maybe he goes somewhere else and pops remember uh there's a guy named will will barton you know, he left and went to Denver and found a stroke and figured out that, man, I can be a scorer in this league. Will Barton would be nice off the bench now, wouldn't he? I'd take him. <laughs> it's um, funny. A lot of Blazers, a lot of former Blazers would be great. Man, Who we were talking about this before the show started. How many Blazer fans would love right now for this roster to have Nicholas Batum back? Right now. A wing now. defender and a wing shooter. Oh. Right now. But he only shoots 33% from threes. Who cares. I, I do better than Al Farouk Aminu, but yeah. it's it's one of those better things where I, I agree with you in the in the fact that that's one of the reasons why they're getting left open is because he only hits one of his three shots. It, it when I think of a guy, what you need you need a guy on the wing who can play defense. I I think a guy like Kyle Korver would be really good for this team. He he could just spot up shoot the three. Good team player, 
keeps his head down, Mike doesn't Dunleavy cost can, a lot. Mike Dunleavy can come home and play you know, for the Blazers in his final well, you know, year. Why can't we get a guy like that? Just Because that is one of the things you're missing. Just somebody who could spot up and shoot a three and outside of CJ too. and outside of Dame. And if you could find that, then that will open up more shots for CJ and Dame in the end of a game because you can't just leave a spot-up shooter open at the end of a game. Well... Hopefully they can address that in the draft. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this coming up next. Jordan uh, Bell. Um, we've got a couple of the names that we talked about and who you think might be a good fit. Plus, Jesse has a uh, sports boner for Jordan Bell. So we will discuss that next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Just looking at NBADraft.net. It's my usual go-to for the mock draft. Currently, I mentioned it last segment, has Portland taking Justin Patton, Creighton Center, with the 15th pick. Harry Giles uh, from Duke with the 20th pick. And then Donovan Mitchell, the guard from Louisville, with the 26th pick. To me, that is perfect. To me, that is... Two big guys that you need to help defensively and a guard that maybe turns into a good little shooter off the bench who's better than, say, Shabazz Napier or Pat Connaughton or whoever. Um, that is, of course, if they keep their three picks. But I like that theory for their draft this year is two big guys and a guard. That's what I like. Or or you can get a three or a four, I suppose. Like uh, Justin Jackson from North Carolina is going to be available down in that area. He could be a good – he was a, fr- uh, a junior, sorry. He would be a good kind of def- defense-offense combo player. Um, but something something like that with the two big guys I think would be absolutely perfect. That's what they need. They need somebody to play that four or five, whether it's off the bench or starting, who can play defense alongside Nurkic. Yeah, and so they're, they're projecting, and I think we're looking at the same – um, with draft NBA draft.net. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Patton, man, seven foot tall, already 230 pounds. Now, mind you, he's a freshman, so with any freshman, you got to understand this is going to be a process. And I think that's the thing that if you're looking to really improve now, I don't know if another product or pro, you know, process kind of, kind of helps you, another experiment because that's exactly what Justin Patton, um, would be. He's uh, the one thing I do know about him is he can, he's, he can rebound, and he's really good at uh, down low. Um, other than that, I couldn't tell you much about him because I'll be real. I didn't watch a whole lot of Creighton basketball. No, I'm just reading about him. They're saying very, but yeah, very all, only Yeah, only thing I do know about him just from hearing a lot of stuff about the draft, you know, doing some research is that he's good down low. He's got gifted feet, you know, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> and so at this point, like, I'm just looking at all these guys, and I think this really outside of the ones that we know of for sure – Fultz and Josh Jackson and uh, De'Aaron Fox and, you know, those guys that the usual suspects, Lonzo Ball, you're looking at a bunch of guys outside of maybe Ivan Rapp. Now, if the Blazers can get him, 6'10", a kid from California, I would be good with that. I've actually seen Ivan Rapp play. Ivan Rapp is, was a stayed for his sophomore season. He was a McDonald's All-American. This kid can really, really play. And the Blazers are uh, projected to take Patton right before him when you know Rab is looks like to go 16 to the Bulls. If you can get your hands on Ivan Rab, I say the Blazers do it. I want to see John Collins, the Wake Forest center. Um, he's a little shorter, but he's also uh, I watched him a little bit this year in the ACC, and he's really good defensively. And I'm talking just as a backup to Nurkic, of course. This is not going to be a starter, but a guy who can come in and give you good defensive minutes. And he's kind of like a Robin Lopez, where he's only good at putbacks. He doesn't really have 
much of an outside game, although Rolo's starting to shoot a little bit for the Bulls. Rolo's playing really well right now. Side note for the he Bulls. Is, for sure. Um, but I would love to see that. And then, of course, Jordan Bell, if you want to keep it local, the Oregon uh, forward. He's only 6'8", so he's not exactly the physical presence in terms of height that you want from that kind of a guy, especially if he's playing more of the center role. But if he's playing kind of a backup power forward, I think he's perfect in terms of being just the energy defender guy who can block some shots because you need one of those on this team. And that's kind of why any of those centers in the beginning, as long as they're good energy guys, I think is is a perfect guy to get in on this team too. You look at a guy like Draymond Green, and we keep mentioning him. uh, I think that's a role that a lot of these undersized Jordan Bell type of players need to really kind of embrace is – Man, some guys need to understand I'm not going to be a 20 point, you know, a night guy. You know, I'm not going to be uh, you know, a triple double, you know, type of guy. You know, but being one of those workhorses, one of those glue guys, you'll always have a job in the NBA. Draymond Green has carved a niche for himself and he will ha- he will be the most sought after free agent on the market when his when it's his time because he works for every team. There's nobody that won't be able to use a Draymond Green. You can you you you'll be up in the air about a guy like Clay Thompson. Yeah, he's really good, but blah blah blah. You're gonna take a Draymond Green. He works for every single team. So if a lot of these guys uh, can kind of like your you know like your, the kid from Oregon uh, Bell, man, if they can kind of take on a role like that, a Ben Wallace role, like focus on defense, focus on hard work. I think there's a, a place for a lot of these dudes in the league. But if they want to come in and think they're going to be the score that they were at Kentucky or the score that they were at Cal or at Creighton or anything else like that, you're, it's going to be a long road ahead of you. Uh, I, the, one of the reasons why I like Jordan Bell, and I did kind of develop a, a big man crush on him through the tournament, is you, you, you saw him, one, that was the first time he really got to be the guy, at least at his position, um, all season long with Chris Boucher going out there at the end of the season and you kind of saw him take it up an- another notch. And he, we discussed this about how he was probably a top five player in that tournament. And you think about it, it against Kentucky, he was, it, he was outmanned as, as far as size, but still managed to out rebound those guys. And you think about a guy who he, he has a, he just has a nose for the ball rebounds, plays defense, doesn't try to stretch the floor and shoot the threes because he knows that's not the kind of guy he is. He he knows what he is, and part of that's because he's been refined because he's a junior. He's been playing college ball for the last three years, and that's one of our problems, right? That These yeah. guys are like, let's go get a, a, a freshman or a sophomore that still has these things to learn. And, and we all know these NBA coaches don't want anything to do with that. They don't want to have to teach these guys fundamentals of basketball because by the time you get to the pros – you're supposed to know them. So that's part of the problems with these guys. So so Jordan Bell comes in. He gives you an immediate need. He's a banger down low. He blocks shots. He's efficient around the rim. He rebounds. And then I think I like the idea of a combo guard who can play between the two and three, who plays defense and can spot up and shoot a three but doesn't I, need to facilitate. I would love to see Justin Jackson in North Carolina be one of those picks. Absolutely. NBADraft.net has him as the 27th pick, which to me screams, hey, He's near where the Blazers are going to be picking. That seems like a good player to get. And I, I agree with Jesse. I'm sick of the freshman buildup here. Once you get out of the lottery, of course, because some of those top players are going to be really good. I was looking at the comparisons, by the way. They have Markel Fultz as James Harden. And they have Josh Jackson as Jimmy Butler and Kawhi <laughs> what they Leonard. Do. Man, there's what so they many good guys year. in this draft. So that's that's pretty incredible. Um, but I like the idea of getting a guys who have a little bit more experience because – You've seen what happened with a big man who's a freshman who needs to grow. 
So that's why I say I like John Collins from Wake Forest. He was a sophomore. He at least had two years there. That's why I like Justin Jackson. He was a junior. That's why I like, uh, you know, some of the other players. Ivan Rabb, sophomore. Yeah, Ivan Rabb, although Ivan Rabb is small. He's not very muscular. No, I'm saying he's he's very slight. He's he's not as big as you think he is. So that that worries me a little bit. But uh, just those kind of players who have a little more experience, I agree with you on that. That's who the Blazers need because you need help immediately. I don't think they have very much time left to help these players grow because you're in Damian Lillard's prime and CJ's entering his prime. So you're at that point where you're hoping that you can take advantage of those two players and, and get a guy who's maybe a more immediate impact. And if the draft is the only place to focus, which like we talked about last segment, it might be because a, you don't sign free agents and B you don't have a lot of money because of the contracts you handed out last year, unless you were able to do some sort of a trade. That's where you got to focus. And I think that's why those kind of players will be good. So I, if, if they can get Justin Jackson, that would be great. I'd be very happy with that. That would be because I think he is a pretty good defender out there on the wing too. All right, coming up next, do you want to switch to the NFL draft or do you want to hit the other NBA playoffs quickly before we do the NFL draft? Uh, switch to football. All right, coming up next, the NFL draft is on Thursday. Did you know that? It came up pretty quickly this year. I did. Uh, the quarterback discussion, the running back discussion, and what on earth are the Browns going to do are all very interesting topics. We'll get to all those next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 